the story of amazing love. That's what this book is. And as we come to the conclusion of Hebrews today, I've been surprised in the last week to look at Hebrews 13 and see how much the message of Hebrews, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but how much it connects to the message of Christmas. Because at Christmas, we love to talk about peace on earth. And we tell stories about shepherds. What's interesting is that God has been using the picture of shepherds throughout history as an image of the kind of protection, the kind of spiritual care that he wants for his people. In fact, in his own words, when Jesus was living on earth, in John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And here's how he defines it. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. See, the theme of Hebrews all the way through is that Jesus is bigger, better, and more breathtaking than anything you've ever heard or seen. So as we talk about peace, we're not just looking for temporary emotional breaks from life. We're looking for a better peace. As we tell stories about shepherds, the shepherds at Christmas came to Bethlehem to see the better shepherd. So notice in these key verses from Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, how it talks about peace and shepherds. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete. In fact, hidden in these words, he's actually connecting Christmas to Easter. Right? To his death and resurrection. And to you. That word that you see right there, complete. That is the Greek word katarizo. And it has a number of meanings all wrapped into that word. It means to mend, to equip, to strengthen, perfect, to make one what they ought to be. And I love this because it's not just that God finds good and willing people and makes them even stronger. The first word that's part of this definition is mend. It's the same word that's used when the disciples mend their nets. Because they're damaged. They're torn. They need repair. When it says that God is going to katarizo you, complete you, it's not only that he can strengthen you, but that it's he can mend the places that you think can't be strengthened. That he can repair the places that might feel hurt or damaged the parts that have failed and make you even stronger. And the way this connects to Christmas is that it's actually the same verb that he used in chapter 10 to describe how God made a body for Jesus to make Jesus complete in the flesh. God sees the same kind of miraculous power at play in sending Christ at Christmas as he sees in making you, Christ follower, complete in him. So how does he do that? Well, let's back up to verse 15. We actually ended with verse 15 last week, but I want to bring it up here again today so you can catch how he uses that to lead into this next passage. It says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So you catch that word, sacrifice. 
Then he goes on in 16, but do not forget. And I love how he gives us the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> like, you were totally going to do this, you just forgot. Do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So you notice that word sacrifice twice. And look at what it draws together. This is both our words, the fruit of our lips, and our actions. When it says to give thanks, it doesn't just say generally to be thankful for. It says to give thanks to God. But it also says it's the fruit of our lips. What that means is that everything that he's been telling us throughout the book of Hebrews, every moment that you felt like, wow, that is Jesus who he is. I I love him for that. Thank you, God. Can't just hang out up here. It's got to get down here. But it can't just be here either. He wants that to literally come out through your lips. That you verbalize this thanksgiving to God. The goodness of what he has done in your life. In fact, I think that's one of the most encouraging things in the world. Because there is a lot during the week that can distract us. There is a lot during the week that is not connected to God. There are plenty of attacks from the outside in. How awesome when we come to a place like this. When we gather together. Like you realize you're surrounded by people right now. Surrounded by people who want to understand God more, know Jesus better, and figure out what it looks like to love and live for him. Is that awesome? So like while you're here, talk about the Bearcats. That is awesome. I'm pumped that they made it to the playoff and I'm not even really a Bearcats fan. But would you tell people, let it come through your lips, things that you are thankful to God for. Encourage each other that way. And that's not all. Don't forget to do good and to share. You see, he wants to take everything that we have been understanding, that we've been learning, all of this theology that he's packing into us and say, now it's got to show up in your actions. Like That was like all of chapter 11, right? To live by faith. And I heard the coolest example of this this morning, and I, I asked her if I could share this. I was talking to Laura out in the hallway. I just happened to be standing by our giving tree that's right inside the front door. And she came in to drop off some gifts. And what she told me was, this was her way that she had found to to do some good and to share with others. At her office party this year, instead of doing the white elephant gift exchange that they usually do, where everybody gets things they didn't really want and don't really need, and by the end you're, you're, you're trying to trade for something that's at least not as bad as that other thing you got, she said, hey, what if this year we all go buy a toy that like we loved when we were a kid. And then we'll take the time sharing stories about why we like that toy and then donate them to families in need. So she brought in this big bag of toys this morning. I love that. Like what, I I wish I'd thought of it. Like what a cool idea for a way not only to host a Christmas party, but to do good and share with others. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, Mr. Bucket for everybody. I love Mr. Bucket. I always wanted that as a kid. You guys know, you know Mr. Bucket? I bought one a few years ago. It is not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be when I was watching all those commercials as a kid. The 35-year the wait did not pay off, but, but what a cool idea. And it, it reminded me just a couple weeks ago, very similar. I was standing in the hearth room after one of these services, and a, a dad walked up to me. He said, hey, I'm looking to get my kids connected here at Horizon. I said, okay, I'm instantly picturing like, you know, teenagers or students kind of age. I said, 
well, let, let, let's talk about that. We've got these kind of things going on, those kind of things going on. He's like, well, uh, my, so my oldest is five. Like, all right, cool, cool. Um, East Station, like, have they been to East Station? Like, down that opposite hallway. Guys, that is a world of wonder if you've never been down there. And our volunteers, like some of you I'm, I'm seeing in the room right now, amazing, just fantastic. I said, have you been down to East Station? Yeah, we bring the kids there every week. Okay, where else? Could, let's see, five. And the other three? Five, three and five. He goes, I'm, I'm looking like, is there any way that they can serve? You see, he was trying to figure out how at an early age, not just to have them pack in knowledge, but to get them to connect that we actually do something with this. There's something that we live out here. And it just so happened that East Station, literally like two weeks after I talked to him, had planned a serving event that families could be a part of, including your kids all the way down to three and five. And so we had, it was something like almost 100 people, including whole families. This guy's family was there. Pack, I think it was more than 75 boxes, maybe 75 boxes full of meals that went over to Interparish Ministries right here in Newtown to help families at Thanksgiving have a Thanksgiving feast. What a cool and creative way to do good and share and to begin instilling that into his family. So that's such a big part of what it means for us to be made complete in Christ. And that's really the the first invitation that's being given to us in this passage is to sacrifice to God, right, our thanks to him, and for others the way the shepherd sacrificed for you. This is the example that Jesus gives us to follow. You go ahead and bring up that slide. To sacrifice to God and for others the way the shepherd sacrificed for you. And you've got to be really clear here. Because this sacrifice, our sacrifice, is not about salvation. The sacrifice for salvation was made by Jesus Christ. That through his death and his resurrection, we can have forgiveness and an everlasting covenant. A promise from God of eternal life. I mean, that's what so much of this book has been about. When he talks about the better hope and the anchor for your soul, he wants to be so clear to his Jewish audience, that all of your rituals and all of your sacrifices and all of these other things that you're trying to pack in and still include with the gospel, those are not how you are saved. There is one sacrifice, once for all, and that's Jesus Christ. So when we talk about this sacrifice, the sacrifice that we make of thanksgiving, of doing good and of sharing, it's not a sacrifice for salvation. It's a sacrifice of completion. That we are being made more like Christ. In fact, I came across this really helpful quote from a New Testament scholar named Raymond Brown. He put it this way. He says that doing good is an important aspect of the New Testament doctrine of the Christian life. In their understandable fear of salvation by works, Christians have sometimes minimized this important feature of biblical Christianity. Jesus expected his disciples to do good works. And the early Christian people were deeply influenced by this aspect of Christ's teaching. See, I find that really helpful because sometimes we are triggered when we hear like, well, but it's not about good works, right? And and when we hear words like, you know, obey or behave or change your behavior or whatever. And so it's really helpful to understand that God expects this of us. Not to save our souls. He's already done that. Not to give you an eternal hope. He's already done that but because it pleases him to make us complete. 
And so as you go through Hebrews, there's all the stuff about, and we've tried to be really clear about it, about how it's Christ and Christ alone. He's bigger, better, more breathtaking than anything else. Jesus, the gospel plus anything is nothing, like all of that stuff. And yet all along the way he said, and that's why, like that's the fundamental stuff. Now that you've got that in place, you've got to grow. You've got to be diligent. You've got to live by faith, chapter 11. You've got to lay aside the weights, even though they may be good things if they're holding you back from growing in Christ. You've got to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us because he wants to complete you. And so in the next verse, he gives us another example of what that could look like. Verse 17, he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And pray for us. Now, how many of you, as you heard me read that, you thought, out of, out of everything in Hebrews, everything we've looked at in the last 13 chapters, that's it. Obey those who rule over you. That's for me. Anybody? Be honest. Like, I get this with my kids, right? Like, I'm thinking, you know, if they would just obey... Like, this would be so much easier. I could do this joyfully instead of you keep giving me grief, right? And yet, I have to admit, like, there's something in me too, right? Even though I'm an adult now, I'm not a kid anymore. There's something in us that, like, obey. It's almost like a swear word, isn't it? Don't you just kind of cringe when you hear that? Like, I am a grown-up. I am an American. And you can't tell me what to do, right? Like, it's just in me somewhere, And yet, God is constantly using this word, obey. Well, you know, if we were talking about obeying God, uh, yes, of course, of course. I mean, I don't, but I should, and and I'd be willing to, and, and that would be logical at least. How about this, though, obeying other people? Well, here's what's really helpful. One is that this word obey is not the 1984 big brother kind of obey. The word here really carries the tone of yield are you willing to yield to someone else's leadership and and that's really what's behind that phrase those who rule over you it's those who lead spiritually spiritual leadership is very different than the way the world pictures leadership it's not about notoriety it's not about influence it's not about fame it's not about power in fact look at how he describes it here's what they do They watch over your souls. They care about your souls. And in fact, those in spiritual leadership must give account for your souls. You see, it's the picture of the shepherd that he's carrying through, of which Jesus is the ultimate example. And so he's saying that in the setting... Because really here he's talking about Christians. This is within the church body. That when there are those who are in spiritual leadership positions, hey, it actually turns out really good for us if we're willing to yield to one another in those places. And you know, that was a big part of when my wife and I were deciding about making this transition to Horizon. We were coming from a church in Illinois that we loved and we still love. And like our, our elders there, Guys, we have been through some stuff with those elders. And I trust those guys still, like, to the end of time. Like, with my soul. (laughs) And with my family's souls. 
And so when we were praying about, like, do we leave that thing that we love and, and move to Cincinnati and, and come to Horizon, one thing that was really important to me, and I just share this with you because you may not think about it all the time, but it affects you too. One thing that was really important to me was I want to know that I can trust my elders here at Horizon and our board. I want to know that there are people that care about my soul, that they're watching out for me. And so I had a chance just kind of as part of my process to come in here over a few months and a couple of them over a couple of years just to get to know our elders, to hear their hearts for this ministry, to hear what they believe that Horizon is all about, to see them honestly like never take the spotlight, but just to pray for you guys that every decision they're making is trying to figure out how do we help you comfortably connect to God? How do we help you invite your friends and neighbors into something like that? And, and it really meant a lot to me because the reality is they're all human too. All of our elders, everyone on our board, they all make mistakes too. I don't always agree with them 100%. But I'll tell you, it's, it sure is a lot easier to yield <laughs> when I know they're watching out for me. So I want you guys to know that they're watching out for you too. Because the picture that he gives here, if you, if you think about this, they were facing tremendous persecution at this time. And if you're the Roman government or you're the angry Jewish sect of people trying to put a stop to this upstart Christianity, who do you make an example of? The leaders. It was a sacrifice for them too to try to shepherd the way that Jesus had shepherded them. And so the second invitation for us really is make it a joy to shepherd you. Make it a joy. Not only for those earthly spiritual leaders, those earthly spiritual shepherds, but for the great shepherd. That you can come to Christ and say, I'm willing to yield. What do you want to do today? I love that picture. And I love that packed right into that is not only making it a joy, but also praying. He had said, pray for us. And then look at verse 18, how he teases this out. Because the author, obviously, is one of those people who has spiritual influence in their lives. And yet he's not above them. He's not, he's not beyond them. He's not separate. He says, hey, and actually, we need your prayer. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. See, the picture there is that we include in our prayers the people who are leading us. Like, would you pray for the men and the women who are our elders and our board here at Horizon? You jump on our website or our app, you can even get their names. You can pray for them by name. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I don't understand everything about how prayer works all the time. If you do, hey, let's talk after the service. And yet... He says, I urge you to do this because I, I want to be, be restored to you. I want to come sooner. Like he believes that prayer has real impact. And he's begging for the prayer from the people who have read the book of Hebrews. Can we pray that way? And then it brings us to verse 20. Now, now you see this context. After just saying, would you pray for us? Now you get to hear his prayer for them. He says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Like no matter what else is happening, all the glory goes to Jesus. For every word, for every page, for everything that we've studied together, for every time that you give thanks to God or you do good and share, the glory goes to Jesus Christ. And notice that word pleasing. It's the same word that was back in, chap- in uh, verse 16. That with such sacrifices, our thanksgiving, our doing good, our sharing, God is well pleased. So think about this. When, uh, when Laura walked in this morning and told me about their, their office Christmas party and the toys that they'd gotten together, I, I had to ask her, like, during the first service while we, everyone's trying to sing and I'm trying not to be distracting, but I'm like, can I share that from stage? Like, is that okay? Because <laughs> it just lifted my heart. Like, when she came in and said that, I'm like, what? That's amazing. Like, man, just the hearts of people who are trying to be generous like Christ. I was like, I, can I tell somebody else about that? Can I share that? So just think. How much that lifts my heart. Imagine how much God enjoys that. Right? When you have that moment that you've worked for so hard, you've prayed about it so hard, and in the moment, you resisted that temptation. In the moment, you chose kind words instead of what you really wanted to say. In that moment when you were the first to apologize or when you gave something of your own finances, your own time, your own talents. When I hear those kinds of stories, I'm like, that's awesome. And I'm just me. Imagine how much your heavenly father is pleased with that. See, to do that, you've really got to be spending time with him. I don't know about you. I know, I know whenever I go here, this is kind of like self-confession time, but in my life, I don't just kind of like accidentally do that. (laughs) I spend time with God. When I ask him, what do you want to do today? Hey, how do I take this thing I read about, you know, when Jesus says the least of these? That that challenged me a couple weeks ago at that meal packing event because one of the things was that there was a gal from IPM who shared some stories about families they serve. And then Sierra shared, our, our children's pastor, for just a couple of minutes that when we serve other people that way, Jesus says, when you do this for the least of these, you've done it for me. And she pointed out how in this moment, we're not only being Jesus, not only being like him, but we're actually serving him. And I thought, man, if he is what this verse says, if he is our Lord Jesus, then doesn't it make sense that I'm talking to him about these things? In fact, I think that's a good question for us to think about as we read these verses, because Notice how personalized that is. Our Lord Jesus. When you read that, do you believe that he is the Lord Jesus? Or can you honestly say he's my Lord Jesus? At Christmas, do we celebrate the birth of the king? Or do you celebrate the birth of my king? Because he wants to work in you. To make you complete in every good work. To do his will working in you. You and I, we can talk to each other. But only God, through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, can work in you. 
And that's why our third invitation, let the God of peace make you complete through the great shepherd, through Jesus Christ. Because like I said, for me at least, it doesn't happen by accident. And certainly I can resist it. So this Christmas season, as we wrap up Hebrews, would you let him do this work? And to do that, I think you've got to set aside intentional time to spend with God on where it might be that he has for you to grow, to serve, to give. So just a really fun example of this over the Thanksgiving holiday. We were together with family, with my wife's side of the family up in Wisconsin. And my sister-in-law had organized for all of us, like the whole extended family, to be able to come together and serve at a homeless shelter together. And it was like, like she's been a Christ follower for a long time, but it has been awesome for the last couple of years. Like I, I see this in my own life sometimes, maybe you have too. Like every once in a while you, you hit like a growth spurt, you know? And, and if you'd ask her how this happened, you know, it's like she's locked in at their church. She's gotten into a group study with some other people and she's setting aside really intentional time for prayer and spending time in God's word. And so it's just been awesome to see how that flows out of her, that it's like things she thinks of that we wouldn't even thought of, like all of us getting together at Thanksgiving weekend and and serving, that I'm blessed by, because now I have these amazing memories, like standing next to my 12-year-old nephew and serving a meal to people who weren't going to have food that day. And he's doing the cheese, and I'm doing the corn, and my boys are taking turns doing some salsa and different things. What an awesome way to do good and to share. But it starts when somebody says, I'm going to intentionally spend some time with God myself. And honestly, that's why so much of what we do here at Horizon, you know, you hear us talk about like comfortable environments, places for you to connect with God, to connect with other people who are trying to grow this way. It's why we give you these tools because honestly, nobody's looking like for extra homework to do. But we want you to have the things that help you lean into that time. And so one of those things I want to make sure you know about is something we call the pathway. And so I'm, I'm pulling a hard copy right out of my program for this week. And right at the top, it just says a pathway through Hebrews. So one side has some message notes on it, but the other side is every single week with this equipping service, we're putting out this pathway guide. A simple one sheet that is designed to give you questions that help it move from here to here, but then out here. Like, how do we take these things and actually live them out? What would that look like? And so every week there's also a try it section that just has some really applicable things, really high application. And you can work on this on your own. You can do this with a friend. You can, um, you know, we have a number of uh, women that do this as a part of a group and guys that do this as a part of a group. And then every Sunday afternoon, there's also a two to three minute video that comes out. You can get this through the website. I found the easiest thing for me both for the written piece and the video piece, is just to pull it up on the app. And it's two to three minutes taking what we heard in this morning message and digging a little deeper into it for some more application. So I found it's most helpful for me. I usually watch it on like Tuesday or Thursday, sometime midweek, you know, when it helps me kind of remember, oh yeah, what was that thing that I was excited about this weekend from Hebrews? And I'll tell you, this will be especially helpful in the new year as we get into the book of Numbers because Numbers has some chapters where you're going to feel like, This is weird, and why is this in the Bible? (laughs) So I don't know about you, but like every little tool I can get to help me make my way through that is a good thing. And I'm going to give you this. I got to watch my time here, but I'm going to tell you this because I just found out like in the last week, the original 
Hebrew title of the book of Numbers is not Numbers. It's In the Wilderness. Doesn't that sound amazing? Provocative, right? What happened in the wilderness? Oh, you, you got to read it to find out. So here's what happened. Some guy who spoke Latin, like centuries later, renamed the book Arithmoi. Arithmetic. He renamed In the Wilderness. Math book. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why on earth would you name this thing numbers? Because when you go read this book, there are some places that there are some numbers. And there's some deep meaning behind those numbers. But for the most part, this is the story of like, what is it like when people called to be God's special people get off track? What is life like in the wilderness to learn what happens when you feel like you keep passing the same point again, learning how to follow God in the wilderness? And there are definitely some moments in the book that you you will wonder, why is this even in here? But that's part of why we're going to be doing it in our equipping service. Because if I, if I give you one more little nugget, and then I better stop, because otherwise we'll start numbers today instead of in January. <laughs> John 3.16, everybody knows John 3.16. I won't even say it right now. The sentence, literally, the sentence right before that, when Jesus is helping us understand John 3.16, he references in the wilderness. He pulls from numbers to help you understand why his death and resurrection give you an eternal covenant. Okay, you want more numbers, you have to come back in January. So (laughs) the other way that the pathway is going to help you immediately this week, you don't even have to wait till January, is that the Try It This Week has specific Christmas readings each day that you can do alone or with your family to help you get into the Christmas spirit and to prepare for next week's service, which is an entire service, all three services next week, the same thing, of classic Christmas carols and classic Christmas readings. So I'd encourage you, pull out the pathway, pull it up on the, on the app or, or the hard copy and join with us in that. Because as we finish Hebrews today, the last couple verses of these things are always just a little bit of like a personal note. But catch what he adds into this one. Verse 22, he says, I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. He's basically saying, take this teaching to heart. For I have written to you in few words, if that's what you can call 13 chapters of Hebrews, Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. So some of these things are why people wonder if it's Paul that wrote this, and there's, there's no end to the conversation about who wrote Hebrews. But notice what he wants us to draw out of this. After everything that we've learned in these 13 chapters about how Jesus is bigger, better, and more breathtaking— He says, take this teaching to heart. Bear with the word of exhortation. Don't forget these things. And grace be with you all. So I really tried to figure out what would be like one key takeaway for this whole book. And I couldn't quite do it, so I put it this way instead. Since Jesus is bigger, better, and more breathtaking than anything I've ever heard or seen, fill in the blank. I'm going to make you come up with it today. (laughs) And here's why. I think whenever we finish a study like this, whenever we finish a book, it's so helpful to just ask yourself, hey, because I've done Hebrews, because I've been in this study, what has changed in my life? Or what will change in my life because of what God has taught me through the book of Hebrews? Maybe it's some way that you want to do good and share. 
You know, maybe it is some, some weight, like chapter 12, that, that you want to let go of. That maybe it's even a good thing, but you can just feel that it's pulling you away from what God is trying to do. You know, maybe it is a sin that so easily ensnares that you say, hey, if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he's bigger, better, and more breathtaking than, than God, I, I want that to be how you're completing me. Katarizo, right now in this moment. Help me lay that aside. And maybe it's the way that you pray. Somebody that he's put on your heart. Or focusing on giving thanks in your prayer. Because all of that, all of that, goes back to what Jesus Christ did for you. That he was born to die, to rise again, so that you have an everlasting covenant. A promise in him of forgiveness and eternal life. So it may be that you fill in that blank by saying, for the first time ever, I don't want to call him the king or the Lord. I want to call him my king, my Lord, and ask him to complete his work in me. And so for today, I thought it might be good. We've talked so much about prayer in this book and today. I want to just give you a couple of moments to pray right now. And so I've asked Neil and Kenny if they can just kind of play for us a little bit and share a little bit of music as we spend these moments. And maybe it's one of those things, maybe it's something else you want to talk to God about. But would you take these next couple of minutes and just talk to God, to your great shepherd, and hear his grace for you. Let's pray. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See you next week.